before we get started on this next subject, the essence of marriage, what is it? Uh, let's um, do a little bit of a review. I'm looking for my notebook. Um, any um, comments, thoughts, questions from yesterday? We talked about uh, marriage is hard. I can only learn about marriage as God teaches me through His Word. The secret of marriage is it's not about me. It's not about my marriage. It's about Christ and the church. Power for marriage is the gospel. I can love my spouse because God loves me. Comments, thoughts, questions? I know some of you are teachers. You're about to bust. You can't sit there <laughs> listening for very long. You've got to say something. Tony's laughing. He's a teacher. Yeah. Anybody? I'm not digging. I'm just asking. Feel free to ask. If you have questions or just you know, look at me real funny and go, wait, you know, could you say that again? Or I'm really open to, to any of that. Um, start you off here. Uh, <laughs> we'll throw a little humor in here this morning. Okay, how about that? Um, one of the things that I read in uh, Keller's book is uh, our culture. Um, we, young people, not we, but, uh, and my kids are like this. I, I, we've talked to our kids, and they're, they're looking for that perfect spouse, you know, and they have to have, they make lists, and I want a husband who does this, this, and this, has this, this, and this. Okay, well, that, you know, some of that's good. I mean, but it's kind of taken to an extreme, I, I think, and Keller says that. Um, and, you, and you're never going to find that perfect spouse. Like I said yesterday, if you do, they're going to change, so why bother? Um, so a, a story here about that problem. A store that sells husbands has just opened in New York City where a woman may go to choose a husband. Among the instructions at the interest is a description of how the store operates. And here's the instructions for going into this store. You may visit the store only once. Okay. There are six floors, and the attributes of the men... Increase as the shopper ascends the flights. Okay, you got it? Higher the floor, the higher the quality of the man. There is, however, a catch. You may choose any man from a particular floor, or you may choose to go up a floor. But you cannot go back down except to exit the building. Got it? Higher floor, higher attributes, but you can't go back down, okay, except to leave. So a woman goes to the husband's store to find a husband. On the first floor, the sign on the door reads, Floor number one, these men have jobs and love the Lord. Okay. She says, eh, we'll go to floor two. The second floor sign reads, these men have jobs, love the Lord, and love kids. She's interested, but surely there's more. Floor three, these men have jobs, love the Lord, love kids, and are extremely good-looking. Wow, she thinks. <laughs> but she feels compelled to keep going. She goes to the fourth floor, and the sign reads, These men have jobs, love the Lord, love kids, are drop-dead good-looking, and help with the housework. Oh, mercy me, she explains. I can't hardly stand it. She goes to the fifth floor, though. These men have jobs, love the Lord, love kids, are drop-dead gorgeous, help with the housework, and have a strong romantic streak. She's tempted to stay, but she goes to the sixth floor. And the sign reads this. You are visitor 4,366,012 to this floor. 
There are no men on this floor. This floor exists solely as proof that women are impossible to please. Thank you for shopping at the husband's store. Watch your step as you exit the building and have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. That's my daughters. <laughs> They're looking for the perfect guy, and he doesn't exist. Okay. Um, okay, another one for uh, perhaps us older. I was just talking to Steve and Dee. I am. We are uh, getting old and, and, and really not being very gracious about it. I don't like it at all. Um, but I'm, it's happening. So, um, yeah, Steve, I said, did you go for a run this morning? I said, no, I went for a walk. <laughs> I haven't run in about a year and a half, and I'm still not very happy about it. Um, so, okay, this is for us old people. Um, a couple from Minneapolis decided to go to Florida to thaw out during one particular icy winter. They planned to stay at the same hotel where they spent their honeymoon 20 years earlier. Because of hectic schedules, it was difficult to coordinate their travel, so the husband left a day earlier, and when he checked into the hotel, he found there was a computer in the room, as so he emailed his, his wife. However, <laughs> have you ever done this? He accidentally left out one letter in her email address, and without realizing his error, he sent the email. Meanwhile, okay, so he, he leaves early, he's in the hotel, wife's meeting him the next day in the hotel. He sends this email to the wrong address. Meanwhile, somewhere in Houston, a widow has just returned from her husband's funeral. He was a minister for many years and was called home to glory during a, uh, following a sudden heart attack. The widow decided to check her email, expecting messages from friends and relatives. After reading the first message, she fainted, and her son rushed into the room and found her on the floor, and then he read the computer screen. Here's the email that she received. To my loving wife. Subject, I've arrived. <laughs> date January 31st 2005 I know you're surprised to hear from me <laughs> they have computers here now <laughs> and you are allowed to send emails to your loved ones <laughs> I've just arrived and have checked in I see that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow <laughs> looking forward to seeing you then hope your journey is as uneventful as mine was now, remember, he went from Minnesota to Florida. And it says, P.S., sure is hot down here. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Check your email addresses before you send your emails, okay? That's great. Okay. Uh, let's see. That has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today. But it's kind of fun. Okay. Uh, today, topic number one, and we'll kind of try to fly through these and I'll kind of watch my time and kind of take a, take a break after number two and then come back and do numbers three and four. Um, so um, the, the question is the essence of marriage. What is marriage? So let's, let's just talk about that a second. What? Okay, you're married. How did you get married? What is marriage? I mean, th- good. How did, how did you get married? What does that mean? Any thoughts? How do you know you're married? Because what? You have a license. So a marriage is a piece of paper. But, but see, I know what you mean, though, right? You have a marriage license, okay? How else do you know you're married? I mean, you're married, aren't you? So what does that mean? Commitment, okay? Love? 
a ceremony? Okay, you had a wedding. And after the wedding, you're married. Before the wedding, you weren't. So, so the wedding is, makes you married? What is marriage? Commitment's good. Love's good. Okay. A ring? You wear a ring now? On the right finger? You know? Uh, you, you reserve that finger till you get, you get married? It's, it's really an interesting question. Um, and is it, um, is it just a, a social construct? Meaning just something that humans have come up with and devised, okay? A lot of people believe that. Uh, you read anthropology and uh, history, secular history books, and they'll say that, okay? And it's just something, uh, it helps us survive uh, this world, and we know it's the survival of this, which, by the way, there's an argument. That argument then carries on that we've outgrown. We don't need marriage anymore. Marriage was just something to help us make it, to help us survive, to help humans, okay, in this survival of the fittest game that we're in. Uh, and so that, that helped us for, uh, for a millennial, okay, thousands of years, meaning. And now we've kind of outgrown it. And we don't need it anymore. So marriage is really, it's, it's viewed to be outdated. It's not necessary anymore, okay? Well, that's, that's from a really completely secular, unbiblical, ungodly point of view. Um, so see, some people think it's just, it's past its prime, okay? So let's just move on and do something without marriage. Well, that's really interesting, um, so, so what is marriage? A piece of paper, a ceremony, a relationship? What is it? Um, let's see. Um, traditional, uh, the traditional society, meaning, meaning kind of, uh, do, do you all watch or, or read the, um, oh, what, they're, they're these old time movies in the 1800s, uh, 17 and 1800s, and, uh, you know, the, British, the you know the great, huge manners and estates. What are some of the movies our girls watch? The Emma and Pride and Prejudice. You know what I'm talking about, okay? And they were pretty much arranged marriages, okay? <clears throat> so what was marriage? Um, it was marriage was really um, a transaction to help the family's interests. You know what I'm talking about, okay? And it was a social thing. You married for money or for prestige or position or power. And that, that was very, very common, okay? And even in our history, okay, and even in America, uh, that was common, all right? Uh, not that they didn't love each other. That's not the case. But they didn't get married because they loved each other. That was, that was not the case. They got married and then some learned to love each other and some didn't. But marriage was about the family, the family unit to further the family and it was, it was more of a more of a duty and a promise. Okay, contemporary Western society has swung the pendulum the other direction. It's not about duty. It's not about promise. It's about what we get married because we. Ah, okay, <laughs> I fall in love. Okay. By the way, I say if you can fall in love, you can fall out of love. Which people say that, right? We married because we fell in love, and now we fell out of love, so we get we get unmarried. Well, that's not okay. Uh, however, God's word makes it clear that God is the supreme good. Okay, God is the supreme good, and He gives us a view of marriage that unites both duty and feeling. It's both. It's not either or. It's it's both duty. It is a duty, but it is very emotional, and it's both. And God designed it to be that way. And it's not. It's about about passion and promise. 
it, it, it is a promise, but, but it's very passionate, or, or should be. It's, it's both. God's view of marriage is so much higher than a, a secular, ungodly view of marriage. Remember, however, that it, it's not about marriage. It really is about Christ and the church. How did Christ love us? When does Christ love us? When does Christ not love us? Never. What are some conditions that would cause Christ not to love us? There aren't any, which means his love for us is unconditional. Okay? Um, he made a covenant with us, which means he promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. And again, Romans chapter 8. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Okay? And then Paul says, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from Christ's love. Okay? It's the last couple of verses of Romans chapter 8. So, to your notes then. Marriage... What is marriage? Marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a promise. Remember, marriage is about Christ and the church. What did Christ do to the church? He made a covenant with us. He promised. Might he break his promise someday? Nope. Not happening. Okay? Neither should we. Marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. Okay, uh, let's talk about covenant a little bit. So let's talk about covenant versus consumers, okay? Um, let's see. Name someone. I've got one written down, but I'll let you name one, and we'll go with mine. But uh, name someone or a business or a company uh, that you have a consumer relationship with, meaning you are the consumer, they are the provider. Walmart. <laughs> I have Walmart written down. <laughs> I was waiting for Janelle to say it over there. Uh, Walmart. Do we ever go anywhere without going to Walmart? I mean, where did we go last night when we got here? Walmart. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. We all have consumer relationships with Walmart, okay? What is the nature of that relationship? What do you do for them? What do you, they do for you? What's, the, what's your relationship with Walmart? You do have a relationship with them. What? We give, they take. Yeah, okay. You give your money, they... No, you give... Your money, they take your money. Yeah, okay. Well, wait, don't you get anything out of the deal? <laughs> Not much, okay. It is a, it's, we call that a consumer relationship, okay? Um, they provide a, a, a good uh, product for you, and you pay the price, okay? Um, is that forced? No. Yeah. <laughs> It is if you're married to Janelle. <laughs> it's voluntary, right? That's a consumer relationship. Um, how long does that relationship last? Well, another way to ask that is, when does this relationship end? When are you going to stop going to Walmart? Okay. Wait, what was that? As soon as... Yeah, see? You'll keep going to Walmart as, as long as you're satisfied with what you're getting for your money, right? And as soon as you're not satisfied, or maybe you're not satisfied, but there's just not another option, okay? So if there's another option and you're 
you think or you will, you know you'll be more satisfied with another option, is it going to hurt your feelings to stop shopping at Walmart and go to Target? It's not going to hurt your feelings. Are you going to feel bad about that? Are you going to send Walmart an email and explain your actions? No. Your consumer relationship with them is very fickle, right? Okay? You go to Walmart as long as your needs are being met. And if I don't like the way they're meeting my needs, I'll take my needs somewhere else and let them try to meet them. And I go to wherever I'm happiest. Does this sound familiar? Okay. Have you ever thought about marriage in those terms? Our marriages, by and large, are consumer relationships. Why do I stay married to you? As long as you meet my needs and you make me happy, I'm fine. If there's no one else around and you're not meeting my needs, I'm going to be dissatisfied, but I don't have another option. But if another target girl shows up, then I may just say, I think she'll be better for me than you are right now. And I'm going to end this relationship and I'll go to that relationship. In our culture, marriage is very much a consumer relationship, but it's understandable because we live in a consumer society. It's all about me and everything that exists, it exists to make me happy. Okay? So marriage just fits right in. And that, that's where we live. Okay? That's, that's, not, that's not God's picture of marriage, though. Okay? That's our Western picture of marriage. Okay, mankind, though, has always had covenantal relationships. For example, the relationship between an infant and a parent. It's very interesting, okay? Um, A committed parent, you think about an infant. Uh, We we watch Brant and Jamie with Ellis now, and it's really interesting. They they love her. Um, Adoption's even more... Adoption's a beautiful... We're learning. We're really not very good at it yet. We don't know how to... We don't know how to deal with this baby that's not a biological baby. We've never had that before. So, and it's, it's really awkward, actually. Uh, we're kind of just not used to it, okay? But then it's such a... How does God feel about us? Well, he adopted us, okay? And go back to Romans chapter 8. We are adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. By, uh, adoptions are by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Adoptions all over Romans chapter 8, okay? It's a beautiful picture, okay? But so if you go to the, the, the parent-child relationship... Does the child infant give anything to the to the parent? Does the child meet the parent's needs? No. The the child is what? Completely needy, completely helpless, completely selfish. Okay? If you don't believe in sin nature, just watch a little baby and just scream. It's like, you just ate two hours ago. You know, you don't you don't really have to have that bottle right now. Well, it doesn't matter. They just they do ah. For a little baby, it's all about me. <clears throat> but we have a covenantal relationship. We as parents, when we have that child by birth or adoption, we just, our culture, we just, we understand that we're going to take care of that baby. What if you don't feel like taking care of the baby? Well, you do anyway. What if you're tired of getting up during the night? Well, you do it anyway. What if you don't like dirty diapers? Well, we, see, we just do that. We, that's our culture. Do lost people do that? They do, don't they? Okay? Our culture takes care of children. That's a covenant relationship. Okay? What happens? How do we look at people who don't take care of children, who abandon children or abuse children? What, what do we think about those people? It's like, I've heard that child abusers in prison, they have to, they have to put them by themselves because they get, they don't, 
prisoners abuse child abusers because prisoners don't put up with you don't mess with children even criminals know that okay um that's our culture okay that's a covenantal relationship okay so we have covenants we have a promise a covenant a covenant is a promise okay um, there, are, there are two kinds of covenants. The first one on your sheet there is a vertical covenant. Covenant That's between a vertical covenant is between God and man. Okay? Uh, let's look at a couple. Okay, I've never done this before, uh, but we'll uh, see if I can pull it off. Uh, well, you know, my, if my iPad locks up, we're in trouble. Okay? Um, which it just did. <laughs> Wait, there it is. <laughs> Hit it enough and it'll come to... <laughs> um, Look at Genesis 17, uh, 1 and 2. I've, I've never taught without my Bible, so this is a new experience for me. But I couldn't turn fast enough last night, so I'm going to see if my iPad will turn faster than I can. Um, Genesis 17. Okay. Janelle, do you have your Bible? <laughs> i really never done this before. Genesis 17, 1. And go, iPad. I didn't even bring... Oh, it's in my car. Oh, do you, I, yeah. Yeah, I really didn't. That's pretty funny. I did this in the hotel. I did it last night. I did it today, but... Uh, I thought I... Okay, back to the Bible. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, Janelle, would you get mine? Thank you, sweetheart. Uh, Genesis... Okay, we just took a big slowdown there, so... But I can do it. Genesis 17, verses 1 and 2. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him... I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my, what? Covenant between me and you. And who made the covenant? God did. God promised. I am making a covenant between you and me, me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. Okay? Look at Exodus chapter 19. Okay? I'll just have to turn fast. Exodus 19 verse 5. Um, <clears throat> Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasure possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. The Old Testament is full of covenant relationships between man and God. Next one is horizontal relationships, okay? Men make promises to each other. One of the most well-known for us is in the book of 1 Samuel between David and Jonathan, the beautiful story between the, the love that David and Jonathan had for each other. And uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 3. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David. Jonathan made a covenant with David. He promised, okay? There are both vertical and horizontal covenants. Marriage, however, is both. Okay, now what does that mean? Marriage is both horizontal and vertical. Okay, before we look at these two scriptures, what does that mean? Marriage is a covenant. That's a promise, Okay? God made come to us. He promises some things. But what does it mean that marriage is both horizontal and vertical? It is a promise to God and to your spouse. It's, it's both. Okay? Is it really? Well, let's look and see. Malachi chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Uh, the, the prophet of God is... is, is pointing out some things that these people have done. They've, they've left the Lord, okay? And so verse 13, And the second thing you do... Thank you, Janelle. Um, the second thing you do... So he's already listed some things they've done to break faith with God, okay? 
The second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offerings or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Why does he not accept this? Why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, okay, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your what? Your wife by covenant. You promised her and you've left her. And, and I, I don't, I'm, I'm not accepting your, your tears and your offerings, okay? You've left the wife of your youth, the covenant, okay? Um, okay, so it, it is horizontal. And then look at, at Proverbs. Uh, you, would you like your Bible back, Jason? <laughs> thank you. Uh, Proverbs chapter 2, thank you. Um, and uh, Proverbs chapter 2. Verses 16 and 17. Um, uh, Proverbs 2 is about the the value of wisdom, what wisdom will do for us. Um, So if if you will pursue wisdom, verse 16, so you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. Verse 17, the adulteress, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets, forgets the covenant of what? The covenant of her God. Okay, it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a covenant before God to another person, okay? Um, if, listen to um, what, I'll just read you a couple of uh, wedding vows, and our wedding vows are all very similar to this. So you, you did something like this at your uh, Christian wedding, and something like this. Will you have this woman to be your wife? And will you make your promise to her in all love and honor, in all duty and service, in all faith and tenderness, to live with her and cherish her according to the ordinance of God in the holy bond of marriage. And we, will you promise, okay? Um, I take you to be my lawful and wedded husband, and I do promise and covenant before God and these witnesses. Did you say that? Or did your pastor say that? You say, I do. And why do you have these witnesses here? Because they, you're doing this in front of them and God. Right? In, in front of God and in front of you, I'm saying I'm going to love her or him. Okay? That's our, we, we, we made a promise. And it wasn't just a promise to her. It was a promise before you and before God. Okay? It's both the horizontal to our spouse and in front of God. Uh, before God in these words, to be your loving and faithful wife in plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health as long as we both shall live. We, we promised. Okay? And it's both horizontal and vertical. Marriage is not... He tells the story in here. He heard I went to a couple's wedding, a uh, young couple, and, and their wedding vow, the, they said, I love you and I want to be with you. Well, yeah, I did love Janelle. I did want to be with her, but that's, what if I don't want to be with her anymore? See, that's, that's, weak. that's not what marriage is. Marriage is not I want to be with you. Marriage is I promise I will, okay? And that's, again, that's kind of our... Marriage is a promise to be loving, to be faithful, to be true to the other person. Marriage is not a promise to stay with you as long as I love you. Okay? It's a promise to be faithful and true to one another. Um, I like this book by uh, John Piper. I, I didn't even say the name of it last night. This Momentary Marriage. Piper has such a, a view of God and, and God's greatness and majesty that I, I just don't... I, just, I read him and I just go... Ah. Can't quite get it. Um, 
But he says things that like his, our marriages, and you know, and we love our marriages. We love our, and I, and he says that in, in heaven we won't be married. And it's like, well, no, wait a second. I don't like that. But he, see, is it, wait, we don't even think like that because we're, when we're with God, this, this life will be a shadow. Well, it's like, well, I don't want it to be a shadow because I really like Janelle. And I really like being with her and living life with her. I, I would kind of like to spend eternity with her. Well, okay, see, I, I just don't understand, okay? I think my understanding is so finite, okay? Um, but he says things like that, and I just kind of, I just sort of react against it. I think he's right. I just, I just can't think like that yet. Um, so in, in his book, he starts off every chapter. If you haven't read um, the biography of Bonhoeffer, have you read Bonhoeffer by uh, Eric Metaxas? It's about, I don't know, it's, it's, it's really, you, Janelle read it. You kind of got bogged down, didn't she? She read about two-thirds of it. it. It's a fantastic biography. Just just read anything by Eric Metaxas is good, okay? Uh, Bonhoeffer, and then he wrote uh, Amazing Grace, the story of uh, William Wilberforce. Uh, okay, so anyway, so Bonhoeffer was a, a German believer in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, was actually executed in a prison camp at the end of World War II, okay? And so he's it, just a fascinating story and loved the Lord and understood some things. So anyway, at the beginning of each chapter... John Piper quotes Bonhoeffer, okay? So these are words of uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who lived in the early 1900s in, in Germany uh, during the Nazi regime. And he said this, uh, so it's Piper's quoting him. He said, it is, it is not your love that sustains marriage from now on. And this is, he was saying this at a wedding. It is not your love that sustains your marriage from now on. The marriage sustains your love. Think about that. You don't stay married because you stay in love. You stay in love because you stay married. So what's the responsibility? Stay married. And then what will happen? Then you will stay in love. Okay? You don't say, well, we're not in love, so we're not going to stay married. No, 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 that doesn't doesn't matter. Um, Piper even says that when people come to him now and say, "Um, I don't love my wife anymore, he just says, so? Well, you don't, I don't love her anymore. So, so I'm, do I need a divorce? No, wait, wait, wait. Marriage is not about loving your wife. Marriage is about keeping your promise. So, so what if you don't love her? I mean, it's not great. You really should. It'd be much better if you did, but it's not the issue. The issue is, you, did you promise? Yeah, then keep your promise. <laughs> See, I just, that's a different kind of thinking, isn't it? Okay. Why is the binding promise of future love so crucial for creating deep and lasting passion? I'm going to read that question again. Why is, why is the binding, it's binding promise of future love, I will love you till I die. I promise that. Okay, why is that so crucial for creating deep and lasting passion? You get that? Okay. A promise is my identity, Okay. That's that's next blank. A promise is my identity. Who is God? He is the one who promised to love me. What if God broke his promise? What if he did? What would you say about him? He's not God anymore, is he? And never was. You understand that? God promised to love us, and if he broke his promise, we would go, what was that about? You must not be God. Wouldn't we say that? Okay. A promise is our identity. Okay. I promise to always love my wife. 
What if I break that promise? Then I'm not the man I promised to be. I've, I've, I've lost my identity. Okay? It's very interesting. Um, uh, Keller quotes, um, he tells a story in here. Um, uh, it's, it's a story that I am not familiar with. Um, Michelle might know this. A Man for All Seasons, the story of Sir Thomas More. I, I don't know that, okay? Good, so some do. Uh, he, he says uh, he, his daughter is, he has made a promise and he's going to be executed for his promise, okay? And the daughter says, look, just, just say the words you're supposed to say and you won't be executed. And he says, how can I go against my promise? She said, look, you can believe your promise in your heart. Just go ahead and say the words. He said, no, my words are my promise, and my promise is me. I cannot go against my promise. His, his daughter's trying to save his life, okay, and say, Dad, come on, just say this. Just say what they want you to say, and I know you don't really believe it. Just go ahead and say it, okay? That's, the, that's what's going on between daughter and dad. And then the dad says this. That's a poor argument, Meg. When a man takes an oath, Meg, he's holding his own self in his own hands like water. And if he opens his fingers, then he need not hope to find himself again. If you break your promise, then you've, you've just lost yourself. Water ran through you, and it's, you can't go pick it up again, okay? Um, that's pretty strong stuff. Um, oh, I shouldn't have closed it. And then he, he says this. When I married my wife, I had hardly a smidgen of sense for what I was getting into with her. How could I know how much she would change over 25 years? How could I know how much I would change? My wife has lived with at least five different men since we were married, and each of the five has been me. <laughs> the connecting link with my old self has always been the memory of the name I took on back there. I am he who will be with you. Okay? That's my name. I am he who will be with you. And that's always been my name, although I've changed through the years. When we slough off that name, we lose that identity. We can hardly find ourselves again. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? Okay? That puts marriage in a whole new light. Is okay, here's a question for you. Is marriage oh, excuse me, is love? Is love an action or an emotion? I want you to answer that. Is love an action? What is that? Something you do, or an emotion? That's something you feel. Okay? But don't don't answer that because I just I just did something bad to you. Do you know what that's called? I just gave you an or question. Is love an action or an emotion? I, when I hear an or question, I react. My red flag goes up. Anytime, people do it to me all the time. Mr. Bullard, I mean at school. Mr. Bullard, uh, do you think we should do this or this? And my, I just go, ding, okay? Because I don't like people trying to force me into either this or this. Because my brain says, no, wait a second. Is there anything else we could do? Are those our only two choices? What, 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 let's be creative here. What, what about, because normally when people ask you that question, neither one of them is a good solution. Okay? Do you want to do this or this? It's pros and cons to both. I say, well, is there a third option or a fourth one? Let's investigate this a little bit. So I don't like or questions. Okay? And this is a bad question. Is love an action or an emotion? Okay? That's called a false dichotomy in logic terms. Okay? It's, it's, you're saying this or this, and you're going... No, that's a bad question, okay? So what's the answer to this question? It's not one or the other. It is it's both, okay? It's both. It's something you do and it's something you feel, okay? Now, I'm going to ask you another bad question, okay? Which one leads to which? I warned you that's a bad question, okay? But I'm going to go ahead and ask it. 
Does action lead to feeling? Or does feeling lead to action? It's both, isn't it? Okay? Because when you do things that are loving, what happens to your feelings? You, you feel love. Okay? What happens when you feel loving? You do actions. Okay? Are you with me? Okay. However, okay, however, when things are tough, when things are tough, it is the actions of love that lead to the feelings of love. Did you hear that? Sometimes feelings lead to actions. Sometimes actions lead to feelings. However, when things get tough, your feelings are gone, aren't they? Your feelings are gone. When things get tough in your marriage, you have to go back to the actions. Do the actions, and then what will happen? The feelings will return. When? I can't guarantee that. (laughs) It, It might take a while, okay? But what did you promise? Did you promise to, I will always be in love with you? Did you say that at your wedding? I didn't say I would always be in love with you. No, I didn't say that. I said I will be faithful to her, okay? I will always, in health, in sickness, in... I promised that I would never leave her or forsake her. I would love her. I didn't say I would be in love with her. Okay? I will always feel loving to you, Janelle. I can't promise that. Okay? But I can promise that I will always love her. Okay? I can do the actions of love regardless of my feelings. But what is marriage? It's a promise. Okay? That's when the whole point is marriage is a promise. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians 5.25, we, we started off there. Uh, last night, we'll go back there several times. Uh, Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Uh, verse 28. I'll skip a few verses. In the same way, husbands... I think in the King James... Nobody has King James anymore, do you? <laughs> King James, what's it say? Husbands... The word ought, so ought, you should. That is actually a commandment. That is an obligation. We ought to do this, right? You are obligated to do this. Love is an obligation. It's actually a command. We are commanded to love our wives. You say, well, I don't feel loving, or she doesn't love me back. I'll just give you John Piper's answer. Yes, so? What does that have to do with it? Are your kids always loving to you and respectful and submissive and gracious and kind and helpful around the house? No. Well, do you just stop loving them when they're like that? No. Now, love, it, now you might be irritated and want to knock their brains out, okay, but <laughs> you can hear my parent voice come out there, can't you? But I love them, okay? And I do the hard work of parenting, okay? I'm not just going to let them go because they're being a jerk, Okay? I was a jerk when I was a kid, okay? Thank goodness my parents didn't stop loving me, okay? Thank goodness God didn't stop loving me. Um, and, and so my wife may be a jerk sometimes. That's probably not true. Sometimes I'm a jerk to her, okay? Well, okay, so I shouldn't do that, but it doesn't mean I get to quit loving, okay? I still love, all right? Um, you cannot be commanded to feel something. You can be commanded to do something, Okay? Love in the hard times is an action that results in a feeling. Um, <clears throat> let's see. That's good. 
Uh, so the argument goes, these are young people today, um, the argument goes, I don't need a piece of paper to show love, meaning I don't need to make this promise. Let's just, let's just live together. You heard that? What, I mean, marriage, I mean, a, a ceremony, a ring, a piece of paper. I love you. I don't, we, don't need, we don't need a wedding. We don't need marriage. Let's, let's, do you love me? I love you. Let, let's just live together, live life. I mean, do life together. I don't mean just live together and have sex, but let's just do life together, okay? I don't need that piece of paper. Keller says, yes, you do. Yes, you do. If you love the way the Bible describes the love of two people who want to share their lives together, you should have no problem making a legal, permanent, exclusive commitment. Marriage is a promise, Okay? The other, the living together is just selfish. Because how long are you going to live together? As long as you make me happy. And when you don't make me happy, then I'm leaving. I'll go live with the next one. But that's not marriage, though. Marriage is a promise, okay? Um, Keeping a promise will lead to maximum, richest passion, okay? Breaking a promise... Breaking a promise ends in a a, a never... It it results in a never-ending search for passion, Okay? It just doesn't work. By the way, I haven't, I haven't said this. I, you have to be careful. When I talk to groups of kids about sexual purity, there's, there's, always, there, there's always the chance, I don't ever know, but there's always a chance that there's kids in there who have had a variety of sexual impurity in their current or past. Well, okay, that doesn't negate God's word. We should still live lives of sexual purity. But those kids are kind of like, well, yeah, what about me? I'm messed up now because I've already done that. Okay? Well, you have to talk about redemption, reconciliation, restoration, forgiveness, and God has some things to say about that. But I tell kids when I'm talking about that, the, the, how many of us can go back and relive any of our lives? Not, you can't do that, okay? Uh, is, is there anything you can do to your past? The answer is yes, okay? So I have some things in my past. What can I do for, about those? Can I undo them? No. What can I do biblically? I can confess them, okay? I can say, confess means just agree with God. God said what I did was sin. I go, God, I did that. That was sin. That's confession, okay? And repentance. Stop it, okay? <laughs> Turn around and go the other way. I can't undo my sin yesterday. I can confess of my, my sin and repent of my sin, okay? So what can kids do if they've been involved in sexual impurity? They can confess that, that they are guilty of that, and thank God for his forgiveness, and then they can repent and stop it, Okay? Okay, so now talking to married people. There, sometimes in groups like this, there are people who have been divorced and remarried, okay? There's nothing any of, any of us, nothing you can do about that, okay? And you say, well, that was wrong. Well, okay, but it's not about yesterday. It's what are we going to do from now on, okay? Now, from now on till God calls us home, that's the thing, okay? So what do you do? I look back and I say, oh, wow, I, I messed up. That was, that was wrong. I, I didn't understand some things. I, perhaps I wouldn't even save. Okay, well, what are the conditions back there? I, but but that I'm married now, so what's the deal now? Stay married, okay? Love your wife. Respect your husband. From now on, do what God says. I say, yeah, but I'm so messed up. I've got all this baggage. Well, I, yeah, that is a problem, but, but there's nothing beyond God's restoration and redemption, okay? So stay married and, and love your wife like Christ said to love your wife, like Christ loved the church. And, and husband, wives, respect your husbands. We'll get there later, okay? From now on, do what God says. So you kind of have to... I have to say that because people can start. Okay, um, I was going to tell a story. I'll, I'll skip that one. So we're almost done here. This first one, I want to read. Um, let's see what 
that last blank is husbands ought. I, I didn't tell that last blank. Um, husbands ought to love their wife. That is an obligation. That is a command. You know, it's like, well, I kind of do it if you feel like it. No, do it, okay? Love your wives. Um, just a couple of things here, okay? We'll, we'll be finished, okay, with this. Um, <clears throat> many people hear, hear this discussion, this, this just you promised, so do it, okay? Many people hear this discussion. They say, I'm sorry, I can't give love if I don't feel it. Yeah. I, I can't fake it. See, they have the wrong understanding of love. That's too mechanical for me. I mean, I don't feel loving. I, so I'm just, but just do it. That, that's fake, false, hypocritical because I don't really love you. But see, when you say I don't really love you, what you mean is I don't really feel loving towards you right now. Okay? But see, I can, I, sometimes I don't feel loving towards Janelle. Sometimes she doesn't feel loving toward me. But I love her deeply. And she knows that. And she loves me. And I know that. Okay? But sometimes it's just like, Mm, okay? That's okay. But we love each other, okay? That, see, they have the wrong understanding. I can understand that reaction, but Paul doesn't simply call us to an, a naked action. He also commands us to think as we ask, as we act. Husbands, love your wives how? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, okay? Um, one of my favorite, probably my favorite song is. Um, um, how deep the Father's love for us. You know that song? How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He would give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. He gave Jesus to die on the cross to make me? See, you all don't know me. It's not pretty. A wretch his treasure. And now, I'm supposed to love my spouse like that. Okay? That's powerful. This means we must say to ourselves something like this. Well, the, when Jesus looked down from the cross, he didn't think... <clears throat> when Jesus looked down from the cross, he didn't think, I am giving myself to you because you are so attractive to me. No. There's another verse in that song later. Uh, I hear my voice call out among the scoffers, okay? If I had been there, I would have been scoffing and yelling and making fun of and spitting, okay? That would have been me. And what would Jesus have done? Still would have died for me, okay? Um, No, he was in agony, and he looked down at us, denying him, abandoning him, betraying him. And in the greatest act of love in history... He stayed. That's in italics. He stayed. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He loved us, not because we were lovely to him, but to make us lovely. Uh, That's actually our next topic. To make us lovely. That's why I'm going to love my spouse. Speak to your heart like that. Talk to your heart like that. And then fulfill the promise you made on your wedding day. Isn't that good? Okay. I should stay in my marriage just like Christ stayed on the cross. Okay? Wow, that's such a higher view of marriage than what we typically have in our society today. 